I love that music so much. It I do too. Me, it makes me so happy. It puts me right in the mood. Even my daughter loves that music too. Oh, she does? That's her favorite part of Tuesday morning is, Dad, are we going to listen to the podcast? <laughs> We've got a, a 90 second commute from the house to her daycare, but she wants to hear at least. She can hear that. Yep. You yeah. got it. I love that. I love it. It makes me happy when I hear it because yep. I know she we're going to have a good time. Yes, we are. That's Absolutely. Why I, that's why I love it. It gets me all jazzed up, ready to go. Yeah. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I'm all excited to you do have, it. You have no idea what we're going to talk about? <laughs> no, I, I haven't had an idea over the last three episodes or seasons. Why start now? Well, this is what, season three, episode seven? Do we're you know or are you, are you, no, I'm you asking. know or are you asking? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that is actually correct, Dr. Ramirez. <laughs> because I just, I was like, it's that time again to say the episode. I have to and, uh, what number it is, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How do we have fans? Oh, wait, never oh, mind. We don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we answered our own question. Yep. Well, we are here at the Fusion Underground for another fun filled, fun packed, packed, filled to the brim. Stoked, stuffed. Wow. Yeah, a lot of stuffed. <laughs> you know, I've been eating turkey and ham for four days, five days, whatever. Really? But now, yeah, today I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, I, yeah. No, I couldn't do it anymore. We finished like, off done. last night the house. We finished off the uh, um, the leftovers. We still have some turkey left over, but, yeah. um, but we finished everything off. I made um, um, little bowls. With mashed potatoes, mm -hmm. green bean casserole, stuffing mm -hmm. on top of that, turkey over on top of that, and put gravy on. You know it. that sounds so gross right now. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It sounds so <laughs> disgusting. I believe you. <laughs> well, after four days of it, good lord, how much did you? Need? I had a whole turkey and a ham. Oh gosh, no, 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 no! You don't know the rule. No, you do turkey or ham that's why christmas is always ham for me and thanksgiving is turkey because if i had to do both i'd probably blow my brains out I yeah i was having like all weekend i was i would have like for lunch uh -huh. turkey sandwich and a few pieces of ham and then for dinner it was a turkey sandwich and some ham and then sunday well, it was turkey sandwich and ham Oh God, no! You and gotta like, mix okay. it up. Do something different <laughs> with it. Make a, a turkey noodle casserole or something. <sighs> yeah, but that was that would take too much work, and I just didn't want to do that. I was just like, you know what? Just give me the turkey sandwich. Oh, for crying out loud! You know what? I have no sympathy for you. You did this to yourself. Oh, I wasn't looking for sympathy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good. Yeah, you're <laughs> in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> Go see a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right well on that note <laughs> welcome to season three episode seven i believe of the fusion underground here at the fusion underground we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as thanksgiving entertainment current events politics and, and culture and leftovers <laughs> our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined by the lovely and wonderful co-host, my brother, Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? I'm better now. Thank you. Better? This is the highlight of my night. I'm telling yeah, you. I know. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, for all those listening, we didn't record over the weekend because of the whole Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, but we are back tonight, just in time to record a new episode to release tomorrow. First thing in the morning, December first. Tomorrow's December first when this comes out. Gosh, that's crazy. I know, right? Yeah, can't believe it's here already. <sighs> you don't seem pleased about that either sir uh, I, I don't know i have so many mixed emotions about this year oh man 2020 just so just so so many um you know covid 19 mm-hmm. messed everything up yes you know, I'm I'm really more upset about the inability to do normal things like, you know, just go places where people are actually gathering. Not that I want to do that, but it's one thing to have the option and not go do it. Yes. But then it's another another thing to, you know, be forced not to well, do it. Well, and it's funny, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you know, my wife and I used to do that we thought about, you know what? Um, we haven't been bowling in a while. Let's go bowling. Nope. Bowling yeah. is closed. You know, what about going to see a movie? Nope. Nope. Movies are closed. And yeah, it's, it's, believe me, I love taking a walk around the neighborhood and going to the park. But I mean, that got old, I think by February 28th. Yeah. I was already done with that. <clears throat> yeah. So it's, <clears throat> I understand what you mean. It's sad. You know, there's a lot of things that we would um, probably like to do that we just can't. I think what upsets me worse is that there's just COVID has become such a catch-all excuse for nobody giving a rat's patootie about anything, especially yeah. when it comes to, you know, customer service or consumer product. You know, my buddy was telling me today, he, he actually had to order a new refrigerator. Him and his wife got a new fridge. The soonest they can get it, and they checked all of the other stores in their area, is <clears throat> April something of really? next year. Really? That's Why? the soonest they can order it. Um, apparently, a lot of these factories have shut down plants because mm. they're not manufacturing any more of that stuff. They've, they've shut down a lot of these plants where all these workers are in close proximity to each other. And I'm like, dude, that's insanity. And the catch-all excuses, well, eh, COVID. You know what? Meh, with you and your COVID. That's just a that's just a bunch of BS. And I've seen that in everywhere or in a lot of other places where it's, you know, you used to go into a store, pick a store. I don't care. And there was a certain level of customer service that I think the consumer expects. Now, they basically give you the middle finger as you walk in glare at you for even being there tell you they don't have anything that you want but they can order it for you and have it delivered to your house and if you don't like that well you can go fly a kite and eh, it's covid deal with it well and we we actually do we we encourage it because we allow it to continue well i have an article here that i think would be kind of interesting especially for listeners that um In essence, it talks about how insignificant the COVID-19 has actually been on the United States population. Um, And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, this is an article that was published. Um, It was a study. It was actually, what's interesting, it was actually an economic study. So a professor at Johns Hopkins University 
in applied economics did a study by looking at the data released by the CDC on deaths, about data around deaths in the United States. And I'll read you a little bit of this article that I have here. Now, the interesting thing is Johns Hopkins published this study and within 48 hours, the study, or Johns Hopkins withdrew the study from the internet. <laughs> no explanation as to why. Uh -huh. um, I think I know why. I think it's because it doesn't fit the overall it doesn't narrative, fit the, narrative the political right. narrative. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so, but of course, you know, there were numerous people that have captured the, the study for posterity's sake. So um, reading from here. So according to new data, the U.S. currently ranks first in total COVID-19 cases, new cases per day, and deaths. Genevieve Briand, Assistant Program Director of the Applied Economics Master's Degree Program at Hopkins, critically analyzed the effect of COVID-19 on U.S. deaths using data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Okay, I'm going to skip over here. From mid-March to mid-September, U.S. total deaths have reached 1.7 million. This is total deaths in the United States, 1.7 million of which approximately 200,000 200, or 12% of total deaths are COVID-19 related, according to the CDC. Okay. Okay. That's fine. All right. So what does that mean? Well, so she looked at the total deaths per age group and per cause of death in the United States. And what she found was something that was quite interesting. Surprisingly, the deaths of older people stayed the same before and after COVID-19. Since COVID-19 mainly affects the elderly, experts expected an increase in the percentage of deaths in older age groups. However, this increase is not seen from the CDC data. In fact, the percentages of deaths among all age groups remain relatively the same. Mm -hmm. And Brian, she says here, quote, the reason we have a higher number of reported COVID-19 deaths among older individuals than younger individuals is simply because every day in the U.S., older individuals die in higher numbers than younger individuals. Okay. So what is, what, what is really happening here? I'm going to skip down here to, um, to another part of the study. And it says here, the CDC classified all deaths that are related to COVID-19 simply as COVID-19 deaths. Even patients dying from other underlying diseases but are infected with COVID-19 count as COVID-19 deaths. We've talked about this. Sure, over and over and over again. All, all we, Yeah, we've talked about yep. this a lot on this show. Mm -hmm. She goes on, this is likely the main explanation as to why COVID-19 deaths drastically increased while deaths by all other diseases experienced a significant decrease. Oh, Man, that sounds oddly familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So all of this points to no evidence that COVID-19 created any excess deaths. Total death numbers are not above normal death numbers. We found no evidence to the contrary. So what's happening here? So there's a there's a, a there's a, a table on this um, on this article that talks about breaks down different types of diseases or or mm -hmm. death related causes. Right. Okay. <clears throat> through April, for example, there's a subset of, of through April here. So we've got things like heart disease, cancers, chronic respiratory disease, um, cerebrovascular, Alzheimer's, diabetes, etc. Right. All of those deaths over 2020 have declined dramatically from what I okay. understand too. But, but the number of COVID cases, the COVID related deaths has increased 
by almost exactly the same amount. Same amount. Correct. Yep. So for example, in the week ending April 18th of 2020, the total decrease across all of other disease-related deaths decreased by 2,540, week ending 418. However, COVID-related deaths increased by 2,561, a difference of 21, a difference of 21. That's bizarre. That's very bizarre. So in other words, even though all of these other deaths have declined, our COVID death rates have gone up such that when looked across as total number of deaths, it's the same. It's the exact same. It's exactly the same. I mentioned this to somebody at work. I said, did you realize that we cured cancer this year? Yeah, we did. And heart disease. It it probably got covered up with the COVID-19 thing because you Mm -hmm. you weren't paying attention, but we cured cancer. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? I said, well, you didn't notice that the amount of cancer deaths this year dropped by the exact same amount of COVID deaths. We cured cancer just like that. It's crazy. And heart disease. And heart disease and diabetes and the flu. It's (laughs) because nobody else is getting any of that stuff. Right. So the the idea being that if COVID-19 was really this massive, you know, impact to the country, then what we should be seeing, you know, in, in just hypothesizing about all of this is that we should have X number of deaths from other causes, cancers, heart disease, et cetera, mm-hmm. and even more so because of COVID-19. Correct. But that's not what's happened. We have no. the exact same amount of deaths across all age groups. <clears throat> it's, right. it's the same. So there's no, there's, if COVID-19 had not happened, we still would have lost the same number of people. Correct. If you, if you look at it, just simply, let's just say that 2 million people over, oh, we'll just classify it for the older demographic over Mm -hmm. 65 die in theoretically every year. I mean, there's a slight increase, slight decrease, but you're talking about very slight in 2 million people. That's the average amount of uh, people die every year from various diseases. Well, with COVID-19 coming, if it was as drastic as we're hearing, then that number should have not been 2 million. It would have been three or Correct. four. You know, right. that's that's how deadly this is. It, it immediately took our death toll up. Well, that's not what happened. Hmm. We still stayed at 2 million across the board. And I'm rounding numbers just for the sake of, of rationalizing our discussion here. But sure. the, the, the amount of people that died last year with pre-COVID is the exact same as the amount of people that died this year with COVID existing. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. So either there's, there's no two ways to look at this. Either we miraculously cured all of these other diseases. And that's why the extra deaths from COVID um, they're taking away these people that may not have otherwise passed away because we cured the diseases or COVID is not killing them off. Correct. And this is the exact same trajectory we've had over the last, respectively, 10 years. Right. And we, we, there probably would have been people that legitimately died from COVID-19. Absolutely. I don't, I, I don't want to say that nobody would have died from COVID-19. I, you, there, w- there are people that have died specifically from the illness, just like there are people who die from the flu every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Or from pneumonia people would have died specifically from COVID-19. But when we look at things like heart disease, we've got people that are dying from, literally dying from a heart attack, but because they 
tested positive for COVID-19 at some point, at some point, remember they, they, we were treating this as if you get it and you never get rid of it. We're treating right. COVID-19 as if it's the new herpes. Mm -hmm. So you get yep. it and you never get rid of it, it's which we know crabs. is exactly it's flu crabs. Yeah. Uh, flu blisters. Right. Um, and, and we know that's not the case. So if, even if I were to die of a heart attack today, but three months ago, I tested positive for COVID-19, the odds are that I would probably be marked as a COVID-19 death. Not probably you would. Yeah. And that was, that's been admitted yeah. not only by the CDC, but multiple different States have actually come out and, and admitted that they are marked any trace of COVID-19 you are marked as a COVID death. We, right. I mean, we've recounted how many different situations. I mean, gunshot wound to back of head does not equal a COVID death unless right. you're in Colorado, in which case everybody who tested with any trace amount of COVID-19 was listed as a COVID death. Same thing in, where was it? Minnesota, where the, uh, the kid, the 23 year old kid on a motorcycle, you know, head on into semi-truck off of right. a motorcycle, COVID death. Why? Because he had COVID four months prior. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty ridiculous. But so let now, okay, hold on. I, okay. I, I, I have to get to the heart of this because we've, okay. been, we've been talking about this for months and months and months and months and months. Let me ask you, we all know that these COVID numbers are absolutely, they're, they're bullshit. I'm not even going to hide it. They're, they're absolute bullshit that they're completely unreliable. But why? Why are they being reported that way? Why are we capturing data that way? And why is that ticker on our news feeds constantly going up? And why is that being shoved down the American's throat? Are you waiting for me to answer that? Yes, sir, I am. Well, it's all about control. Please elaborate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm have, not arguing with you. I've made this point, but I would like to hear your perspective. Well, you have people, you have people that are in power, people that are in a position of authority who have an opportunity to control because their first and primary thing that they need to be able to do is get reelected. And so let's, let's lock things down. Let's look as if we're being, we're taking care of the American people. And let's let's control everything. Let's protect everybody as if they're an infant, right? And now you're in a state of hurt. So what happens in order for you to be out of your state of hurt? Well, guess what? You have to come to me, right? Because now I'm in a benevolent position of power. And now I can bestow upon you things like, uh, you know, loans to pay off your you know, to keep your business open, whatever. So now I can bestow upon you things to bless your life and your existence. And now you owe all of this to me because look, I protected you from COVID. I protected you from death and I protected, you know, I gave you food stamps. I gave you things to keep your restaurant, your small business open. So now I, I can run as a politician. I can run on, look at all of the things that I did for you, for your benefit. So therefore vote for me. So you actually equate this more to a, an election um, campaign. Well, I equate it to this is how I, in, in our, in our uh, political system, 
okay, in our political system, we, you do have to get reelected because we have 50 states and they all have 50 different state constitutions. And we have a, you, so you have to sort of tap dance around the rules that exist. You have to be willing to bend those rules as far as possible. But overall, that's how you secure power is you make people dependent upon you rather than, because look, if we make people independent from government, then there's no reason for them to have the government. People realize, well, I don't need a politician to take care of me. But if I'm dependent upon a politician, if I'm dependent upon the government, upon the state for my well-being, for my safety, for a roof over my head, for getting food on the table, then I have to vote for the people who are going to give me those things because I'm now dependent on it. And so it becomes a method of this has, this whole environment has become a way of take looking at an opportunity, seizing it so that I can shore up additional political power down the line, come re-election time. Okay. <clears throat> well, I agree with all of that minus one point. Okay. I don't believe any of this hinges on an election. And I understand what you mean when you say that a, a politician's number one job is to get reelected. Mm -hmm. Understand that. Um, you know what the biggest obstacle, especially in this country, that the government has in order to accomplish what they want to do? Hmm. That is our individual freedoms and liberties yeah. as an American people. Mm -hmm. And I believe all of this, yes, I do believe this was an exercise of control. But I mentioned this before, the government can, either cannot or will not force us to give up our freedoms but what they will do is absolutely position us in a place where we are willing to give them up ourselves a little piece at a time well it's called fud right. fear uncertainty and doubt yep and, and that's, that's exactly and, right. and, and this is what covid has allowed the politicians people in power to run rampant with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Because, yes. because the fear is, well, what's going to happen if we don't lock down? What's going to happen if we don't shelter in place, right? You don't, you don't want to think about what's going to happen, especially when most Americans have families, they have children, right? You, you scare them. The uncertainty is somebody like Trump comes along or some other Republican and the big bad Republican, and they just want people to go about their daily lives. See, there's uncertainty there. There's doubt in we're going to ever be able to recover if we just go about our lives. There's the fear of you walk outside, you're going to, people actually believe that you're going to die. People, yes. there are so many people in our country who believe that COVID-19 is a death sentence. Mm -hmm. They believe it's stage four cancer. Yes. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. And yet when you still look at the numbers, 99 point, what is it? 99.7% of people who get, who get COVID-19 recover. Yep. And yet people think that it is a literal death sentence. Yes. And, and, and that's a hundred percent true. And I, I really do believe that the fear is absolutely instilled in everybody. They're be, they're being bombarded with it from every news media every outlet they can i mean facebook shoot even on tv there are commercials for 
I, I pick a thing. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I can't see a Domino's pizza commercial without getting the COVID fear put in my face. Right. Right. Um, because they can't even come out and hand me my pizza, thy car. I've got to open the automatic right. trunk and then they put it in there. And because otherwise, if I actually were to get close to them, we would both spontaneously combust in a ball of flames. Right. Right. And my children are left, you know, bastardized because I died right. because I got too close to the pizza delivery lady. Are you kidding me? And then the uncertainty, we don't even know what the numbers are. We just talked about real, accurate information from the CDC and everyone else. We will not get that. Absolutely will not. They cannot allow people to get the information and make rational decisions for themselves. Because if we did, you lose the fear. Mm-hmm. because you actually have certain verifiable information. That's why you turn on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. I mean, you listen to NPR, you have a death toll that's completely off the rails on all ends of the spectrum. Nobody has any idea. So they have to turn to the government to tell us how dangerous this is. And they fill us constantly with the doubt of not knowing what we mm-hmm. could happen if we don't. I mean, it, we heard today, was it, um, what's his Yahoo out there in um, New York? Was it de Blasio? De Blasio um, or Cuomo, the governor? Was it the governor or the mayor? I think it was de Blasio who came out and said, yes, absolutely, the kids are going to be in next week. Well, I don't know, but they should be. But I don't know. We hear you and maybe we won't. We don't know what will happen. We may have to take drastic measures if the this the numbers continue to go up. What the hell are drastic measures beyond what we're doing? And what is May? And and what's this in um, unattainable number that you're talking about? What, yeah. When what's the breaking point? When does that happen? I mean, it's it's all about this so that we, the ignorant public look to the government to tell us what we have to do and we follow along with it lock step every time and that's how we lose our freedom as a society we give up little bits of our liberties a bite-sized piece at a time do you ever remember anywhere in history where those liberties were freely given and then given back to the people No, the answer is no. Why the hell do you think a mask mandate would ever be possible? They can't mandate that. We have to do that. And look at what's happening in your neighborhood. Look what's happening around in your schools and everywhere else you go. We are mandating it amongst each other. And we're allowing that. So I want to segue this into, into a story because this is this is what's happening if you don't buy into things uh, like COVID-19. This is a perfect example. So have you, you've heard of the TV show on Disney plus uh, the Mandalorian, right? Yes. Heard of that show. So it's a very popular show Mm -hmm. uh, among star Wars fans. I watched the first season and I was like, "Um, it's all right. You know, it's all right. Um, But there are people that just slavishly love it. They just love the show, whatever. Well, there's, have you seen it? No. Have you, you haven't seen the show. Okay. So on the show, and I have not watched the second season. The second season is, is airing right now. I've not watched the second season. And quite frankly, I don't know if I will, but uh, there's an actress who appears on the show. Her name is Gina Carano. And she plays this ex uh, like trooper, right? Okay. She's, uh, you know, this no, old no Republic trooper. 
yeah, she's no longer a, a you know, a Marine or whatever. Um, so she's now kind of like a, a wandering samurai kind of character, right? Okay. But anyway, Gina Carano, she plays on this show. She's a character on this show. Um, Gina Carano is her actress name and not her character name, which I don't remember. Okay. But but Gina Carano, I have no idea if she's a conservative. But what I do know is over the last year on social media, she has at least been not leftist. Okay. Okay. So for example, back in September, Gina Carano tweeted this. She said, quote, open up your businesses and churches, put whatever regulations you want to, because that is your right, but open them up. You're telling me COVID-19 knows the difference between a protest or praise and worship. I haven't even been to church in over a decade, but I sure would go now. Okay. okay. Now, I don't know if she's, she could be a leftist for all I know. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Right. But something like this, she's at least starting to see that this is ridiculousness of what's mm -hmm. happening in the country. And because she tweeted stuff, she's been tweeting stuff like that. She is guilty of wrong think. Yes. So here's an article because Hollywood, this, this just uh, came out just a couple of days ago, this article. Um, so because now we're in the middle of this Mandalorian season, um, there was a an article published on a news outlet called Pop Dust. I have no idea what that what that is. Uh, probably about a lot of pop culture stuff. But um, in in the article, she's accused of wrong thing. And here it is. I'm reading from this article, Pop Dust staff writer Keith Baldwin wrote the condescending smear of Carano on November twenty third, which featured a headline that fit the textbook definition of elitist. It asked, "Quote: Can Disney fire Gina Carano from The Mandalorian for being depressingly normal?" depressingly what? normal depressingly normal uh-huh she's depressingly normal oh there's a double whammy not only are carano's more conservative viewpoints noxious enough to get her blacklisted from the hollywood scene but they're also boring and lame oh yes get out of here with that country bupkin routine carano so in other words so she because she's not progressive enough right she's boring she's, she's, she's depressingly boring. normal she's depressingly normal uh, this article, and it, now keep in mind, the article that I'm reading is excoriating the pop dust article that is accusing her of wrong thing. Okay. Um, so this article that I'm reading from goes on and says, though, again, this is all because Carano, a rising star in one of the most popular franchises in film history, is bashing the leftist groupthink. Pop Dust's appeal is how could any self-respecting entertainment company elevate a woman who questions Chinese plague lockdown orders, demands investigations into voter fraud, and is critical of BLM protests? Yes, Carano has taken has taken opposing views of those three things: the lockdowns, voter fraud, and BLM. Baldwin, the Pop Dust uh, article author, attacked Carano's ideas as quote moments of apparent ignorance that are designed to anger or alienate left-leaning fans, unquote. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in other words, lefty Hollywood fans are small abused minorities, right? Yeah. Um, Baldwin continued here with his attack on Carano. He wrote, quote, Gina Carano has revealed herself to harbor some wrong-headed and dangerously ignorant views, but they are views that are common enough to be completely ordinary in 2020. In large swaths of the country, they are undoubtedly much more common than the alternative. This is what these people think of you, of you and I. Yeah. 
They, they literally think our ideas are dangerous. Yes. And ignorant. And this is what he said last week. Remember, I was talking yes, about I how, how conservatives- Republicans we, are evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Conservatives, we look at leftists and we think, well, they're good people with just some bad ideas. Right. But liberals look at, look at conservatives as terrible people with evil ideas. Evil people with evil ideas. Who must be eradicated? Who must be eradicated? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, this this well, is just, and this is interesting because I'm I'm actually surprised. Now I I have a question because I don't know this very much. But uh-huh. has she openly um, criticized the BLM movement? Yes, she has many times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm in that case. I'm actually fairly surprised that disney has not booted her entirely they're afraid well keep in mind though um that disney just signed a very big contract um and i say just as in back in july i think it was with colin kaepernick who is the you know self-proclaimed poster child of blm right so i i'm I'm shocked so far that they have not yet booted her off of the show. No, they, they, they're, they're too afraid. And I don't think she will get booted off. I don't think that she will get booted off at all. And here's why. Um, Disney has completely screwed the pooch on star Wars. They spent $6 billion on star Wars and they're not even close to making that money back. They have not made a, they haven't come anywhere close to making a profit off of Star Wars. Why? Because they bought it for $6 billion, and then they turned around and started making films. Okay. Right. And all of those films barely broke even. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Solo actually lost money. Solo lost money. Um, the 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 pre the trilogy uh, films did not make nearly the type of cash that they thought they were. No, they they were they broke they more than broke even. There was a marginal profit, but I mean right. it was not, negligible. Yeah, but then it was erased by all of the the money that they dumped into their parks to transform mm-hmm. the different sections into a, a Star Wars area. They lost money off of toy sales and merchandising sales. Um, so they're bleeding money. And then along comes this thing called the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian at when, when star Wars is in its lowest in terms of just fan enthusiasm, along comes the Mandalorian and people are like the, the, the average fan, the average star Wars fan is like, finally something that feels like star Wars and they're loving it. Mm -hmm. They're loving it. So right now Disney is hemorrhaging cash. They're, they're laying people off left and right their parks have been closed all year long. They're losing crap tons of money and they're afraid to mess with that formula. They're afraid. And here's the other thing, Disney, while Disney loves to be progressive because they, they sit in Hollywood and they, you know, they're big on the, on the two coasts. They also recognize that a large number of their, of their core audience are conservatives is middle America. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to get rid of a female, of a woman actress, right? Female actor who uh, appeals to the core Star Wars fan base who now has them energized Mm -hmm. and who think like she does. Right. They're afraid of that backlash. I don't think they're going to get rid of her. And then it, so, okay. I, I understand protecting a franchise like The Mandalorian that's actually making you money. Good for you. 
why jump on the BLM bandwagon as well when that risks that middle-class America that you talked about? Well, because I think, I think Disney understands, they know, Hey, you know what? Um, most of middle America that likes our shit likes it because they have children. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think this could just be, this is me hypothesizing. I think most adults, while they, they enjoy Disney stuff, if their kids were older, they wouldn't go. Okay. Okay. So you, you, they know that, okay, the parents are still kind of locked in no matter what, what it is that we do. The parents are going to be locked in. They're not really going anywhere. Kaepernick, well, yeah, we can sign him, but we'll really keep him over there with our ESPN stuff, right? We'll keep mm -hmm. him over there with ESPN. It's not really, yeah, it's Disney, but it's it's Disney sort of, yeah, right? Because it's over there with ESPN, um, and it still gets them some of that leftist cred the without leftist cheddar. Well, yeah, without violating or destroying any relationship. So I think it's a safe bet for them, uh, is is what I think. And and let's face it. Disney, Disney is, um, you know, they hired back, what's his name? The director that made all of those pedophilia uh, comments, uh, the director of um, Guardians of the Galaxy. They fired him and then they brought him back. <laughs> so he, you know, he made the first two Guardians of the Galaxy films, made them a ton of money off of those two right. films. They went back, somebody dug up all of his old tweets. Oh my God, he's a pedophile. Uh, when he was just telling really inappropriate jokes, whether or not he's a pedophile, I don't know, but Disney canned him for it. And then Disney la allowed the time to kind of go by and then just sort of secretly hired him back on to do the third movie. Oh, so, you know, there's not a lot of principle there coming out of Disney. They're, yeah. they're just in it for the cash cow. I guess that's true. So. Okay. But let's let's keep that thread go so now we've got people that are being you remember this is whole the the, the whole cancel cancel culture uh-huh uh -huh. right now are you familiar with dr jordan peterson uh just a hair just a hair all right yes i am <laughs> <laughs> all right for you know jordan dr jordan peterson dr peterson he's hated on the left absolutely hated on the left uh and he has a new book that's coming out in the spring so he wrote a book called the 12 rules, 12 rules for life. 12 rules for life. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I read that book. I read both of his books. He's only got two books out maps of meaning and 12 rules for life. Um, I've read both of them and he doesn't, well, I'll get into that in a minute, but he, he, he had so many different rules for life that he's now publishing a second book. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, it's being published by penguin random house. And the staff decided that they were going to confront the executives and lament about the publishing of this book. So they held a town hall meeting. And during the town, let me just, let me read you parts of this article. Okay. This is incredible. This article is on vice.com. I hate vice.com. But anyway, this is where the article's from. Several Penguin Random House Canada employees confronted management about the company's decision to publish a new book by controversial Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson at an emotional town hall Monday, and dozens more have filed anonymous complaints, according to four workers who spoke to Vice World News. That is one sentence. Yeah. Holy crap. That's Terrible a publishing writing. clearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a publisher. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, go ahead. 
On Monday, Penguin Random House Canada, Canada's largest book publisher and a subsidiary of Penguin Random House, announced it will it will be publishing Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life by Peterson, to be released in March 2021. The book will be published by Portfolio, blah, blah, blah. Four Penguin Random House Canada employees who did not want to be named due to concerns over their employment said the company held a town hall about the book Monday, during which executives defended the decision to publish Peterson while employees cited their concerns about platforming someone who is popular in far right circles. Now, let me just pause there. Yeah, they, I was going to say, go ahead. They, they don't like that he's just popular with people like you and me. No. No, 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 no. Now you got to remember the, the accusations against Jordan Peterson and yes, I'm familiar with Jordan Peterson. I actually really like the guy a lot. Yeah, me too. I like him. Um, he has been accused multiple times of inspiring the quote unquote alt right. Yes. Yes. So and he's when, not even, he's furthest no, from, he's not no, an alt right guy. He is a he he was he was a, a self-proclaimed um, Marxist for a long time. For a long time, yeah. So no, sorry, it's not yeah. going to fly. Um, he is very popular with conservatives, extremely popular with conservative men, and I yeah uh, a big part of that is because he talks about the importance of masculinity among men. And men are craving that kind of fulfillment and understanding in their own lives. So he has always had a very large following amongst men. He is gaining a fairly large following amongst um, conservative women, which pisses off the feminazis. They hate the guy because Jordan Peterson has absolutely no qualms about talking about the difference between e equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. And he has come under a metric shit ton of fire for um, when the government in Canada was trying to enforce mandates upon equality yeah. me measures. He said, absolutely not. Should we have equality? Yes. Should we strive for that? Yes. For the government to mandate that is wrong. You don't do that. That's where the government's line, their boundary line of their conduct is. And he's coming under a lot of fire for that. So I know you're ready to jump. Go. And and I don't I don't think Jordan Peterson is a Marxist anymore, probably when he was no. an undergrad. Um, but he's certainly not now. He's because he's he's very much a, a person who says, take care of your own shit. Yep. Take care of your stuff. Get your get yourself in order. He's not asking for the government to put your life in order. He's not asking for any of that. He's a huge proponent of free speech. He recognizes free speech as an, as a, as a core principle to maintaining Liberty and, and all of that. Anyway, but, so okay, I think sorry, we've, I think we've at least set up a, a foundation of who, of yeah, who, of who okay. Dr. Peterson is. Here's a quote from a junior employee. Now this junior employee that the article references is a avowed, is a member, self-identified member of the LGBTQ community. And of course they attended that town hall and spoke to Vice World News. And this is what this individual had to say. Quote, he isn't, he, Jordan Peterson, is an icon of hate speech and transphobia. And the fact that he's an icon of white supremacy, regardless of the content of his book, I'm not proud to work for a company that publishes him. That, 
no idea who Jordan Peterson is. This this None. person zero idea about what right. this person about what he is. Another employee said, "Quote: People were crying in the meeting about how Jordan Peterson has affected their lives. They said one coworker discussed how Peterson had radicalized their father, and another talked about how publishing the book will negatively affect their non-binary friends." They have no idea what this guy has written. They, they, have they don't have zero concept. And and even if they did, let's just pretend they did. How the hell do you, as an upright human being, allow the opinions, thoughts, or feelings of one person who writes a book affect you so vehemently that it affects your relationships with other people? and your self-identification that speaks to me either you are that weak as a person that you allow that to happen or you're just a complete ignoramus and you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about i think both may be possible right the the reason why they the reason why they say that he's transphobic and he's an enemy of lgbt circles you alluded to it is because the canadian government was was trying to pass a law where it said you have to use you have to use the preferred pronouns of an individual correct failure to do so could be met with severe fines jail time whatever and jordan peterson said no you're not going to compel me you're not going to force me to uh to speak a certain way you shouldn't force me. And it's and people compelled speech right. at first. That was the argument. It's compelled speech. It's compelled and you speech. Can't do that. But second, and, and I think more to the point that was very important that he brought up, you are putting the responsibility upon me, the ignorant third party citizen here, to know what random person Correct. A B wants to be called by. Right. And without any preface in the conversation or any pre-existing knowledge of that person. I'm subject to penal uh, action without any knowledge of my own. That's not, that's not fair to the individual. That's not fair to the masses. Uh, uh, Dr. Ramirez, if you will, I'll use you an example. I know who you are. I know you are Mr. Manuel Ramirez. I know to call you that or sir or gentleman, if you will, you really want to. <laughs> get all proper i <laughs> but i know that because i know you and because uh, yeah. frankly you're a dude yeah. but if some guy or gal walk down the street and i say hi ma'am and i have no idea who she is and she's offended because she self-identifies as a rabbit and i didn't use the proper rabbit pronoun i could be subject you're to screwed to, to penalties yeah you're That's, screwed that is absolutely unfair to the public. And again, it's compelled speech. Which and it was, is, it's compelled speech as the, because the government was trying to say that failure to use the proper pronouns causes offense to the person uh, being misgendered, for example. Mm -hmm. And, and Jordan Peterson's argument was you can't, you can't make it so that nobody is ever offended. Because that's impossible. It's impossible because mm -hmm. even, even if you could, we could, I could offend you in us having a conversation about where to have lunch. Correct. 
just because I want to go eat someplace and you found that place to be, you just found the idea of me bringing up a certain restaurant as offensive because I don't necessarily know what is offensive to another human being. Right. Right. And, and we have to allow ourselves to be offensive at times. Sure. There, there are times where you have to be offensive to a certain degree. You know, this is another thing that I deal with in, in my line of work all the time. And most people, most employees in organizations feel as if conflict can never occur. We cannot fight when we're at work. Mm -hmm. And I say that's hogwash because there's conflict to a certain point is very healthy within an organization. The fact if, if we are trying to solve a business problem, you and I, And if we disagree on the approach to solve that business problem, let's say the business problem could be valued at $10 million. That's not unheard of, right? We might be struggling with a problem with a business that we're we're working in. And the problem is this has a value of $10 million attached to it. I want to do it one way. You want to do it another way. There's $10 million on the line. Yeah, we're going to disagree. And and we're going to think the other person is crazy because of how much money we're going to lose or right. we're going to cost the company. We don't want to lose our jobs or other people to lose their jobs, et cetera. So we're going to, we're going to butt heads in that, in that instance, there's going to be conflict there, but that's healthy conflict so that we debate the ideas mm-hmm. and figure out why, you know, maybe we're both wrong. And through us debating it and right. talking about it, we might realize, Oh, you know what? Wait a minute. You're right. You're onto something. Let's go down you know, and now you've solved a problem that saves right. the company $10 million. You need that conflict. And yep. most people think you can't have it. Like it's, it's wrong if there's any kind of conflict. Well, no. And we, we touched on this even in, in um, spirited debate. You know, we're not yeah, allowed sure. to actually have disagreements, even verbal disagreements anymore. Correct, correct. Because, you know, we're trying to find a way where no fighting. Everybody just gets along and we're all free love and heart. Guess what? That doesn't happen. And if it does, there's no development there because there's no challenge. There's no obstacle to overcome and there's no room for growth. We cannot grow as a society and as a people without um, meaningful challenge in our lives. And I'm sorry, that, that happens with working individuals. That happens in relationships. I mean, shoot, you talk to any marriage counselor out there, they'll tell you that arguments and and those kind of things are actually healthy for the development of the relationship. They have to be there. Um, and you know, the idea of not offending somebody, no matter how hard I try, I will offend people. Oh yeah, you will. No fault. Shut up. No (laughs) fault of my own or without any intent. You know, I remember there was a time at work. Oh my God. It was years ago. Somebody, they asked me a question and the answer was three. And, and so I held up three fingers and I offended them because they were, they were actually new sign language and they thought. Do you know what that sign is? That means <laughs> asshole. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I was calling him a name <laughs> and I got hauled into HR over it. Um, and so, you know, honestly, it was, it was a, it was a misunderstanding of language and maybe I should have yelled across the room three instead of holding up three fingers, but nevertheless, um, little things like that happen. Can you imagine if we were compelled by law not to offend anyone are you friggin why is that so you did this he saw that but that's how the the problem okay so 
See, I don't want to go uh, off on another. No, it here, is. But I know. I you know, it. what's what's so frustrating is is in the United States, this has always been three. We use three. Like, now, I know in Europe, they do this. No, yeah. Or, this is three. Three, this is yeah, three this in, is three. In and, yeah, but Europe. we have done this a lot. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, we also do this a lot. Sure. And it might be a West Coast thing versus an East Coast thing. I don't know. But this is very common in the United States. Sure. I thought you were going to say that this was like, they were trying to do the the white power symbol. You know, you've oh, seen God. that, right? Yes. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> that has been debunked. It started off it, of 4chan. It was such a joke. And people still claim that it's supposed to be, you know, people flashing the white power signal. And it has nothing to do with that. It's been oh debunked God. numerous times. This is, this is again, we talked about this, right. how people just refuse to, they refuse to, uh, to face reality. And they just, you know. They accept they, an idea as ultimate truth in their head, especially if they hear it on a, on a reliable place like Twitter or Facebook. Right. right. And, and that becomes law in their brain. Right. It's, 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 it's gospel. It's absurd. I thought, <sighs> yeah. yeah. It's just, so, so yes, Jordan Peterson is the devil and so he's he all devil. this off. Yes. And, and so therefore he must be destroyed at all costs. And so, these, these junior publishers or junior employees um, have screamed foul. What is the pub? What is the clearinghouse going to do about it? Oh, they're publishing the book. Oh, good. They're publishing the book, the book, much to the chagrin of of the of the few uh, employees that are there. And four of them, I think you said, right? Four. <laughs> <laughs> can I do this? Can I? Can, can is that, is that offensive? I don't can know. I, probably. Is that you know? I don't know. I, 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 don't I don't know what's I don't know what's appropriate anymore. Maybe that's like a V for Vendetta thing. I right? just want people to just shut up, right? Shut it's just up. L- lighten up, Francis. God, everything's yeah. not about you for crying e- out loud. Exactly. Quit being so damn sensitive. Harden yeah. your your core of your person. So this gets this kind of is a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about tonight because oh. there there's a there's a this growing sense of I think people um people feel that they're missing something in their lives. Now, uh, Nietzsche wrote, God is dead. You've probably heard that numerous times. God is dead, right? Mm -hmm. Nietzsche proclaimed that. Um, Unfortunately, you know, Nietzsche proclaimed God is dead and everybody on the left has really taken that over the many decades to be sort of this rallying cry against um, theology. And that's, that's not what Nietzsche was referring to when he said that. I mean, he acknowledged that what Nietzsche saw was that society was becoming more and more progressive. Mm-hmm. And, and by becoming more and more progressive, they were becoming more or becoming less uh, religious in the process. And what Nietzsche was trying to figure out was what he was thinking about for a long time was, well, where does that road, if, if, if society has gotten, has removed themselves from the religious road and they're on this, you know, the secularized road, where does that road lead? Mm-hmm. And what, what Nietzsche was trying to warn society was that, hey, you know what, without, without that religion in your life, then, then that is going to lead to nihilism because then it becomes, well, it, everything is meaningless, right? You're going to, you're going to enter into this state where, and Dostoevsky wrote about this as well, where, you know, the, 
society focuses so much on the me, on pleasuring the self and materialism and all of this, that eventually people start getting to a point where it's like, well, what's the meaning of it all? And if you don't have theology, God, a belief in something greater than yourself, then that leads to this eventual state of nihilism. And then you have people wanting to kill themselves. Literally, I mean, that's kind of where the road ends, right? So when Nietzsche proclaimed God is dead, it was more of a warning, not a celebratory statement. Right, right. Most people don't realize that. No, and and recognizing the loss of, I I guess, a, a religious or moral compass in the nucleus of humanity, you you lose that sense of uprightness amongst your fellow man and also i believe that sense of purpose in your life with a fulfillment that comes beyond the instant you know i i've made reference before that that i feel like our society has become overwhelmingly self-centered it's all about what mm-hmm. happens to me and it and overwhelmingly reliant on instant self-gratification if i can get it and it benefits me and i can get that gratification now i'm invested if it involves me having to wait a time with patience i don't want it if it involves me satisfying somebody else for some sense of personal fulfillment probably not going to make it to the top of my priority list and we as a society have, have really become very self-centered and very fast in our action and demand for that return, that immediate return on our investment of our time, money, or resources. Right. And as, as people move away from this sort of religious belief, nature abhors a vacuum and people will eventually find something to stuff into that void that's in their lives. And yes, there are going to be a lot of people that are trying to stuff things with the, the, the new, the new shiny object, right. And get, get really go down that, that path of materialism. Um, You have other people that might try to fill that void with drug and alcohol abuse, but you also have people who will try to fill that void by jumping from the latest, the latest fads and uh, ideologies, as a matter of fact. And I think that's, I think that's one of the ways that people fall prey to these sort of, I'm going to use, I'm going to go back to the whole cult thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I think it's one of the ways that people fall, fall prey to, to these two cults, for example, because the cult, they, people are looking for something more. They, they, they go to, they go to this cult. They don't even realize it's a cult at first. They're looking for something. They don't, they can't put their finger on what that something is. They're looking for it. And it, and what happens when you go into these cults, right. Is they always ask you what you're, what you're doing there, right. They, they always seem like your friend at first and they start asking you questions and you basically tell them, you, you tell them why you're there. Well, you know, I'm looking for greater meaning in my life. Boom. Now they got you. Hey, we can, we can solve that for you. We can give you all of the answers to that. And now they've got that hook in you. Right. Right. And, and, and now you're on a very dangerous path because now you're in a cult. And one of the big things about cults is they use people as a means to an end, usually to acquire wealth and power and whatever else like Scientology. Um, So I, you know, I, I believe, I feel very strongly that as a society, we've moved away 
from, from this religious thinking. Mm-hmm. I prefer to refer to it more as mythological thinking, not necessarily religious thinking, but we, we've moved away from that, that, you know, where mythology reconnects us with the world around us, um, with our inner selves. And now as a society is looking more external to stuff and a lot of people are kind of wandering around lost. Yeah. Um, and that's really a sad thing. Well, and, and I look at um, our society right now and some of the things that we turn to, to fill that void. And I know it may sound petty, but there's a lot of things that we do right now um, that I think actually fill that, you know, you were, you were listing off a couple of things, but let, uh, let's take one, just, just look at the tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that we use in our lives. I mean, you held up before your phone and how much it cost you. And I, you know, I shake my head and I'm like, you're, you're, you're a crazy person, but <laughs> you know, I remember in this, this was not long ago. I haven't seen one recently, but there was a, an advertisement on at least twice a year about the brand new iPhone. Yeah. You know, there's the yeah. new iPhone. I don't even know what we're on now. You know what I mean? I remember the like iPhone 12 2. or something. Yeah, yeah whatever. But think about the people that you know that tell you, oh my gosh, did you see the new, they're releasing a new iPhone or they got yeah. a new, the new iWatch or a new i I don't know, you know, seat warmer, whatever the heck it is that, that Apple wants to produce. And they hype this up, you know, at least four or five people that that's all they can think about for like months as this thing is getting ready to release. Oh, and I heard they just released the new, they're going to do this and they're going to work on this platform. And these people have to have that device. I mean, I don't care. You go, isn't your phone working fine? Yeah, but it's not the new hotness. (laughs) <laughs> and I've got to go get the new iPhone hotness. I got to got to get the new new device because it's going to be better. How is it going to be better? You don't even know. No, I know that, but I don't think you know either. But they have to and it becomes consuming. Right. That they actually go spend their money, give it willingly that they become part of that inner circle of people who have it. Social media is no different. Um you think of people that are on you know, Twitter, Facebook, you name, you even mentioned that you were on Twitter and didn't recognize until you got put in Twitter timeout, like the bad dog, go sit in the corner. You can't play with us anymore. How consuming that was of your daily life. How many hours a day you spent just plugged into that congregation of other people. Yeah. That that becomes what you rely on for information, for social discourse, for what I mean. And I can guarantee you, listen, you were on there first thing in the morning. I'll bet whatever you read or talked about on there affected you throughout the day. You'd think sure. about it. You'd sure. come back up. It becomes consuming. You know, fads, I don't care whether it's, you know, fashion or politics or whatever the new movement out there is, whether it's the 99 percenters, the, those become absolutely consuming. We have to be a part of that. And the people that are in it can't break away from it mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever, because that's become who they are. It's filled the vacuum that void in their lives for self-identifying who they are and their values and principles that if they break away from that, it's like ripping away part of their soul. (sighs) 
Yeah. I, and I don't disagree with anything, you know, I'm rubbing my face and just like, I'm, I'm all angst ridden because, you know, I'm reading this, I'm reading this book. Um, I don't even know what it's called. I, I don't remember what it's called here. I'm going to look it up. I got it on my, on my trusty Kindle. Um, I'm almost done with the book. I'm, I'm almost finished with it. It's called the social singularity. Okay. And what's interesting about this book, I don't agree with a lot of the premises. Uh, but the book is basically asking, um, well, the reason why I don't really agree with the premises is because, uh, I, I think the way that the book is written is the wrong way to write a book. Uh, if you're writing a book like this, so what the social singularity talks about is our, our form of government, our form of economy is, is outdated and we should, we need to, if our society is going to grow and improve better for mankind, you know, maximize freedom and liberty, which is why I kind of clued into the book, we need to rethink the way that we live in society. Okay, there's something there. Um, I think the better way to do it was would be to have a question and then you write the book in, you do a bunch of research to try to answer that question. And then you write the book that comes out of that research. And okay. maybe you, maybe you, maybe in the process of doing your research, you actually answered a quite, you answered the question, but in a way that was completely surprising to you. Uh, this book, it feels like the author had a, had a very specific conclusion that the writer wanted to achieve. They had the, the answer already formulated and they exactly. came up with the questions and, and the justification. Right. So they basically just assembled the blocks until they got a picture that they, that looked good to them rather than collect a bunch of blocks, put it together and then stand back and go, what does it look like? Oh, this is something new. So I, I think the way that the author went about writing the book was, was not the right way. However, having said that, um, some of the premises that I don't like is he's obviously not a gamer. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> he's well, obviously not a gamer because take of, one point away for you. <laughs> Well, and let me, the reason why I say that is because, you know, gamers, if you create any kind of a rule system, a gamer is going to break those rules apart and they're going to try to maximize, they're going to try to min max those rules oh, yeah. and, and squeeze as much power as they can and really bend those rules to the breaking point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, gamer also, will squeeze 12 cents out of every dime every time. Absolutely. He's very naive. He thinks that, well, the world is just kumbaya. Like one of the things he thinks about is, or he writes about is how laws should only exist when we agree to the law. And I'm like, well, that works until I want to break the law. And then right. when I break the I law, I say, I don't agree anymore. So yeah. let me out of jail. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, your premises don't really fly. Name, name one thief it. out there that yeah. says, well, I didn't think it was wrong to steal. So I guess not that's wrong. just not a good law. Let's just right. move on. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Well, you make a compelling argument. I guess we'll forget it. Yeah. So, um, but what I think is, what I think is interesting. And I think what he's, what he's, uh, what he, sh the way he should have presented it uh, is why are we in this particular state? Why is our society acting the way it is? And, and then extrapolate and try to look for other possible, do some, some, uh, some thought experiments to see where different paths may lead to try to figure out what's the best one. He just kind of comes up with the best one on his own. Um, 
so I've been I've been playing I've been seeing a lot of this right where people are really bought into materialism now and he talks against materialism and simplif simplification of lifestyles and all of that which I totally get um, and I think that's a lot of a lot of this where people are they're looking for something for something more um, and, and you know people are wandering around blindly and I think to be perfectly honest I think the answer is very very simple. Oh, okay. You're going to leave it right there or? Sure. I just wanted to hear what you had to say so okay. far. Well, and okay. Uh, um, I, I think we both can probably agree at this point that we believe that society is overwhelmingly self-serving in the sense that we look to ourselves and the betterment of our own individual circle. And I mean, very tight circle. There's me and the other people around me that are immediately dependent upon me. So in my case, that would be me, my wife, my daughter, my son, and that's it. Everybody else can go, you know, climb a tree. I don't care. Right? Right. Now, that's the day-to-day -day grind. That's why we do what we do, and that's what we look for. I think a part of that void that actually we create in ourselves is, I, I, I believe, and this is me personally, that mankind is filled with an inert desire and need to serve something greater than ourselves. And I believe that, and maybe that's my religious upbringing talking, but I believe that's there because whenever you remove religion from the human experience or that there's always something that people latch on to. And I'm not talking just about those things that we mentioned, whether it's the tech or the social media fads or those kind of things, but almost a cause of some sort. We, we've seen a lot of rises of different causes over the last, call it 10 years. Agreed? Whether mm -hmm. it's BLM, Antifa, um, I don't know, Mothers for Humanity. or what you, There's hundreds of thousands of groups out there right now. And people join these usually volunteer organizations or, or even if they're paid, doesn't matter with the idea or the feeling that they're going to serve something greater than themselves. And I believe that's where a lot of these people actually set themselves up to be taken advantage of by um, false promotions of a greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to me that with the removal of a lot of those religious undertones, because most religions out there, you, there is always that idea that it's improving humanity as a whole, right? Yeah. So even you, you take some of the, all, the, the crazier ones out here right now, even the, um, the extreme environmentalists, Okay they all believe that they are a part of this religion or cult, or I mean, um, cause <laughs> <laughs> because it is serving humanity and all of our existence. And that is a noble undertaking, very benevolent of the parishioner or cultist or, um, uh, practicing person. <laughs> For the betterment of humanity as a whole. There's a lot of parallels there, really, if you actually take it down into the, I guess, emotional undertone of it all. But in that vulnerability as human beings, that's where I, 
again, in your vulnerable, your vulnerable moments is where you're most likely to be taken advantage of. And they're always when you feel emotionally driven to do so. There's a, there's another thing. And I think this is one of the reasons why people have gravitated away from, from religious uh, doctrine, I, so to speak. I think, I don't think people are necessarily against the stories of the Bible per se. What I think people are against, I think people are against the rules that their religion or a religion lays down for them to follow. Oh yeah. Um, and the, so even though people are looking for something greater than themselves, most people do not try to better themselves on a daily basis. And that can be a very, very bad thing for humans. Um, when we're not, when we're not trying to better ourselves, if we can, we fall into these traps, these uh, repetitive, you know, our days become extremely routine. Mm -hmm. And when things become very routine like that, it becomes really easy for us to say, you know what, I should do this, but that's the right thing to do, but I'm going to go do this other thing instead. That's not the right thing to do, right? Because those in other words, doing something that's not good or is not right becomes much more uh, interesting because it breaks up the monotony. And the problem that religion forces upon us is that if you're if you're practicing Christian, for example, then Christianity requires of requires that you seek to improve yourself. But there's a problem that comes with that. It's very, very painful to accept the truth about yourself. People don't like to do that. And so they typically shy away from doing that. Nobody likes to hold the mirror up to themselves um, because it, it, it's just too painful. So we allow, you know, the only way to sort of cure that shadow that lurks within us, we all have that dark side that's within us. But in order to cure it or in order to understand it and be able to control it, you have to know it's there and you have to be willing to look at that shadow and say, yes, these are my faults, right? Mm -hmm. um, but most people don't want to do that. And so they say, well, this religion is not for me. I'm not going to do those things because those things are hard. Yep. So I'm going to go over here and I'm not going to be religious anymore. I'm going to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. I hate that. I know. We, yep, yep. <laughs> If you want to right. hear our whole diatribe on that, go back to that episode on <laughs> religion versus spirituality. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and so I think people, you know, they leave that, they, they leave the religion, okay, for whatever reason, right? But by doing so, they leave all of those stories that really, that are, that speak to various universal truths in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that really provide a lot of meaning. And a lot of symbolism and metaphor that we can use to enhance our lives. And so they leave those stories when they leave the, they would leave the religion. And now they're looking for something to fill that hole where all of these stories once were able to fill. And so now they're looking for it elsewhere. Um, and I just think that's a very dangerous. And so I think our society is on a very dangerous path because I think it leads to I think it leads to a lot of people embracing ideology. I think it's one of the reasons why, I mean, you look at the numbers or it's like, you know, 
churchgoers have left their, you know, left the pews by a tune of like 48% over the last 10 years, yeah. right? Church attendance is down by more than half across all major religions. Oh yeah. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, right? So people are leaving religion um, and they're embracing these ideologies of the state. Now we worship at the altar of American politics right? We, we root for political parties and politicians as if they are, Deity. you know, deities. Yeah. Demigods. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is extremely dangerous, I, I believe. And, and, and now you have, and what lies at that path? I think what lies at that path is ultimately narcissism and nihilism. You have people that are just going to be complete total narcissists. And you have other people that are going to say, who cares? What's the point of it all? What's the point? What's yeah. the point? Why bother living? What am Why I bother? getting out of it? This, right. this, yeah, this is nothing for me. And, and we see that with people on the left. We see people yeah. on the left who are saying they're so caught up in like global warming, right? They're so caught up in wanting to save the earth that we now have so many people that say, what's the point of it all? And they're not having children. They don't want to have kids. They're like, I'm not going to bring a child into this crazy world of whether it's politics or global warming, et cetera. We really see it in terms of global warming. And I'm like, well, and why are you making a decision based on that? They're making it because they have nothing else to help with their decision making. Well, and that's that's not just true of the left. I mean, let's be fair. There's a lot of people on the conservative right right now who are saying, what the hell's the point of this? You know, I th- there was all this enthusiasm about the election coming up. And now that all of this is happening, gonna, it's like, what's the point? Why bother go out and, and vote? Why get involved in anything? There's no freaking point. It's all gone to hell. Why even bother? I'm not even going to get out of bed. There's, well, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of a different of a different scenario. I don't think that's the same thing. I think the people that are saying what's the point on the left are saying it more about life in general. I think the people on the right are saying, what's the point in voting if it's an all rigged game? I think that's slightly different. Now, yes, but you have to look at it from, let, we're going to try and be neutral here tonight. At least I'm sure is that going to try. I know you're not, you big turd. Um, <laughs> but really, I mean, do you not think that there are people on the right are like, what's the freaking point of all this? You know what? Burn it all down. I'm ready to burn it all down. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the again, where I think that's coming from is if the, if you want to play by the rules of just holding an election, but you know that the other side is going to completely cheat in order to win, then there's no point in playing the game. Look, you know, um, monkeys, for example, will play seriously. If you take, (laughs) if you take monkeys, right, you take little baby monkeys and they'll play with the older adult monkeys, Mm -hmm. but the, the older adult monkeys who are stronger and more powerful and smarter and all of this, they, they can totally dominate the little ch- child monkeys all the time, all, all they want, but they don't, they actually allow the, the, the baby monkeys to win now and then when they're playing, they allow the baby monkeys to win because even monkeys understand, look, I need to, by, through play, we emerge, uh, you know, this ethic emerge, emerges with how you deal with the troop of the monkeys. 
and I need to teach the monkey how to participate in the troop. So I have to allow them to win now and then, because if they don't win, then guess what? The baby monkeys are not going to play. And the baby monkeys were going to say, well, why, why can't I? There's no reason for me to play if I can't win at all. So they're not going to learn anything and they're not going to become members of the society, of the monkey society. So they will literally, the baby monkeys will literally go away and just not play. Right. So even monkeys understand, look, you can't cheat. You can't just overpower all the time. Right. There's certain social rules that have to be adhered to. So when we're talking about an election, we're talking about rules of the of the election game. That's a lot different than the rules of life. Mm. And, I, and I think so I'm talking about the nihilism and narcissism about the rules of life, not about an election that happens every two years. Understand. And, and I'm trying to find similarities of mindset in both. Now, I know that's a stretch. Bear with me. But um, I'm not going to say that there aren't people out there who said, you know what? this is rigged and everything that I know and love right now is gone. What's the point? Mm -hmm. Now you want to talk about life. I'm sorry. In this country, a, a democratic Republic is our life. When that goes away, our life dramatically changes. You and I talked about the onset of socialism and communism and what that looks like in this country. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that that's a society I want to be, uh, survive through I, I'm terrified to think of what my kids are going to survive through now does that mean I'm going to off myself tonight no 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 but there's a, but, but there's a there's a difference right that you have people right now on the right who are saying what's the point of it all I'm not going to vote ah. so rather than be rather than be engaged in the political process you have a lot of people on the right now that are saying you know what I'm going to go read more or I'm just going to go spend more time with my family. I'm going to do the other things that that mean that have true value and meaning to my life. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to do these other things. The nihilism that sets in on the left, when that nihilism sets in and it's like, I'm not going to have children because the world is going to end in 50 years. So what's the point? <laughs> and you literally have people committing suicide because they don't want to contribute more CO2 to the atosphere. Mm -hmm. They've lost all meaning. There's, oh, yes. there's they've no, lost I'm meaning not, in life. There's a difference between losing meaning in life and losing meaning in an in an election system. I so agree I with that. Make sure that we're clear on no, that. No, no, no. We're clear on that. Um, we're absolutely clear. And by all means, if you want to stop reproducing, um, thank you. Please. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> argue with you on it. Um, I think you're a moron, but that's okay. Please be a moron and do not add to the problem. Right, right. Stop all reproduction immediately. Yeah, Good definitely, with that. definitely. On the flip side, anybody out there who says that that's it and all of the liberal crazy people need to be eradicated, which I have seen and heard, that's just as upsetting to me. Yes, Because is. that is, is a complete loss of and disregard for human life Correct. just as well, whether it's Correct. yours or someone else's. And I have seen that on social media as you have it's yeah. there yeah. and so and it's sad. yes that is absolutely and, wrong and again it's sad because see again i think those people have already had something missing in their lives and they put everything into the ideology of their politics and now the world of their yeah. politics has fallen so now for those certain people that are calling for the eradication of the other side they're they're lost. They're literally yes. lost in the wilderness, not just politically. They're lost at life yep. because they've 
they had, they ripped, they removed, they removed any sense of value from their life by leaving a religion or abandoning mythological stories, whatever. And they filled that void with political ideology. Correct. And so once that goes, there's nothing left. And that's a sad state of affairs. Well, and, and you touched on this too, when it comes to any, any religious, um, group, there is not only the idea of serving something greater than yourselves, but there's, there's a lot of personal responsibility and work that has to go into that. And there's not the instant gratification that comes with that. It's, it's a long drawn out process in which the individual is not only looking inside, but looking up to something greater um, that they grow within, you know, um, we'll take Christianity as an, as an example, there are the 10 rules for life, not 12 or however many, right. Um, anybody else is writing about, but there are 10 rules for life, fairly simple. And yet they take a lifetime of reflection and practice. And yes, there is a time commitment going to church, being renewed, getting the, that information and those stories retold. But there's also personal time set aside. I don't know many religions out there that do not require some sort of prayer or meditation or introspection or whatever the religion dictates. That's a part of that as well, outside of actually attending. There's a lot of time and work and effort that has to go into that. And the, the reward is much later on in life, if not at the end or after your life. In most religions, it's it, a lot of religions, it's after you've died. So there's, you look at the things that are filling that, like your ideologies or your causes. You still get that, I'm serving something greater. It takes zero effort for me to really do that. I don't care whether it's politics or not. I might turn on the TV. Okay, here's my church service. I get to watch the news and I'm informed and I'm involved. I don't have to do anything. As soon as I turn it off, it's done. And I get an instant gratification that because I'm involved and because I know what's going on, I'm actually serving my better mankind. I'm keeping myself informed. And that's, it's hollow. It's empty. It's, it's a, it's an empty glass. I mean, how many people, how many people do you know who would actually go to confession? Confession? Confession. Um, I know two Catholics fairly well. Right. One of them doesn't go to church and you're the other. Right. <laughs> so most people would never go to confession. Okay. Most most Catholics don't go to confession. Uh con- confession is a very difficult thing to do. You have to you have to shine that spotlight on yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand your those faults. In, in you, confession is not about just, it's not about the word where you're just confessing your sins to somebody else. It's about a, it's a process of introspection. It's an introspection out loud, mm-hmm. right? And you're doing it in the presence of a priest who can guide you through that because it can be a very painful, it's a very, very painful and difficult thing to do. But that's the, but you have to do that. And if you're going to get, if you're going to improve, most people don't want to do that. Most people don't want to improve. Most people, most people do not want to better themselves. They just want to live their life. They want to get up, go to work, come home, eat, sleep, 
get up, go to work, come home, eat, sleep. That's all they want. That's all the majority of people want to do in their lives. Well, I, I, I can agree with that with one caveat. I think people do want to be reassured one way or another that whoever they are, regardless of their faults, they are good enough and they, they are accepted. See, and now, I don't buy that premise. Now, I don't go think it takes much of anything for people to do that. So let me clarify. I don't care if that's even putting out a note on Facebook and somebody says, I agree or right on, or somebody has to hit like on a comment that for a lot of people is absolutely enough. And that's why people are always seeking that. The, and that's, the, that's the wrong thing to think. It's though. absolutely wrong, but I don't think that that I'm wrong in the, in the reality See, of what it is. But again, most people, you, you just said it. Most people want to be affirmed. Yes. And everything about what we're talking is not about anybody else affirming. It's what people don't understand when it comes to these mythological stories, call them, you know, even if we talk about the mythological stories of ancient Egypt or ancient Greece versus uh, ancient Palestine with Christ, right? They're still mythological stories. What people fail to understand about these things is that it's all a process of introspection. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Yes. It literally, the, the other people that are affected in the society, in the family unit, in the group unit, that comes after you've done the introspection and have grown and become a better person, then naturally the way you treat other people is going to improve. Mm -hmm. And so therefore society itself is improved. So society improving out of your self-improvement is a, is a secondary emergent benefit. It emerged, but the whole point of this is self-reflection and realizing through self-introspection that you are worthy, right? Yes. And we spend weight, you, I think you hit it, I think you hit a big part of it, where people are looking for other people external to themselves mm -hmm. to say, yes, you're worthy. And they're, yes. they're completely doing it wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. And I don't think that that's, that's I th unfortunately, I think that's universal across multiple platforms, whether it's a, a non-religious cause or a non-religious ideology or even the religious, the, the um, church going folk. I mean, if you think about it, you go to church and even there you're reminded by the priest or the pastor, whoever's up there, that your sins are forgiven, that God has forgiven you, he's died for your sins, etc. I mean, you're reminded of that. And I remember going to church and going, oh, that's right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And being very grateful for that. But there is a piece that we get from that in knowing that, yes, I am accepted. I am a believer. I know that I have a place. That's an affirmation just as well. But it's also a very, it's also a very lazy perspective, right? Because oh, absolutely. if, if I have to go to church to hear that I'm saved and my sins are forgiven, then I, I didn't really do much. I didn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. There, there was, there was no work on my part to overcome those sins, to become a better person, to recognize, Hey, I might've wronged this person. So maybe I should go and apologize or reflect and say, well, why did I do that to that person? How that was wrong of me. How do I not make that mistake again in the future? Right. And it's, it's through that process that we actually reaffirm and go, no, what, you know what? I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm worthy of, 
saving, I'm worthy of life, all this kind of, most people just, they just want to hear it from somebody else and say, your sins are forgiven. You're saved. Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. Now yeah. I'm just, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back to the bar. I'm going to go and just continue to live my daily routine and who cares? Mm -hmm. I'll kick my dog and beat my wife and nobody will know the, be the wiser. Right. And then I'll go to church now and then Christmas is coming. So I'll go then and celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, you know, yes, he's forgiven me and I move on. It's a very passive. Sure. It's, it's a very passive thing. And, and none of this is a, life sucks. Let's just be <laughs> honest. Life sucks. The world is trying to get you. Yes. The world is literally trying to get you at every turn because guess what? Stop trying to survive for a while. Just go one year without trying to survive at all. You won't survive. You'll lose your house. You'll lose your family. You'll starve. You'll, you know, you'll succumb to freezing temperatures, heat, whatever, right? The universe is trying to kill you. It never <laughs> ceases in its attempt to try to kill you. And you have to constantly adapt to that, to your environment so that you can survive. Life sucks. And I think most people, they lose sight of the fact that it sucks and they turn to materialism right? Sure. Well, let me just fill this void in my life with all of this extra crap. That's absolutely meaningless. Let me impress people that I don't really like anyway, by buying a bigger house or a bigger boat or whomever, right. whatever, right? I don't like those people down the road. Why would I want to impress them? But I, something tells me that I have to, right? We, we're mm -hmm. constantly in this stupidity. Uh, and I think most people would be much happier if they just let it all go sure. and just focused on themselves for a change. Well, and you know, we, we just had Thanksgiving. So I, I loved going around the table and hearing what everybody was. I hate for. that. I know you do. I, I hate that. I do. Um, I, it, it just bothers me on so many. I, I just hate it. Well, then you know what? Hush for a minute. I'm going to have a moment. Go ahead. So, <laughs> I hate it. you know, hate it. I, it's, it's always interesting me to, to me how simple the things that we are probably most thankful for are and yet so okay i think most so, people lie all right fine well that's you you're just bitter over thanksgiving because <laughs> you made a turkey and a ham and and you're still on four days I love of thanksgiving I, it's yeah. my favorite holiday it's my favorite holiday yeah but i think most people lie i okay well and i did talk about you know my family absolutely 100 mm -hmm. the greatest joy in my life um, and that's no joke. And I, I think you know me well enough to know that I mean that when I say it. And yeah, I think you, I think you do mean that when you I say do. it. Um, and they have changed me overwhelmingly more than anything else in my life. My family's changed me. When my daughter was born, I changed instantaneously overnight. Agreed. 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 All right. The fact that I've been able to survive one more year, like you said, with the entire universe trying to consume me, and I've kept other people alive, I'm grateful for that. But it's the, the I guess, the, uh, the joy that they all bring me on a deeper level, no matter how mad I get or how frustrated I am. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I'm most thankful for. And yet, it's interesting, out of the other... 364 days of the year do i actually recognize appreciate and put half as much energy into that one thing than all of the other stuff which consumes a lot of my time 
And right. unfortunately, I think for 99.9% of the public, the answer is overwhelmingly no. Oh, yeah, I believe that too. I, 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 and I believe most people when they go around the Thanksgiving Day table and they tell, they, they, they talk about things that they're thankful for. I think most people are, are playing politics right there in the room. Okay. Most people. I'm not saying all people. I think most people are. I think when it comes around in the room and the guy looks and says, well, I'm thankful for my wife. Yeah, you know what? Shut up. You wouldn't have said that if your wife wouldn't sit at the damn table. You only said that because she's sitting right here and you're going to be sleeping on the couch if you didn't say that. <laughs> I'm thankful for a good night's sleep. Right. You know what? Because, because here's the thing. If I'm sitting around the table with my family, okay, right? If I've got all of my family there and my, all of my extended family and everything like that, the thing that I'm most thankful for is the fact that I haven't seen those people in 364 days. That's what I'm thankful for. <laughs> I'm thankful I don't have to live with all you fools right. anymore. <laughs> I don't like you people anyway. I'm thankful that I don't have to, I don't, I'm thankful I only have to spend a few hours. Please eat my food and get out. That's what I want to say. That would be the most truthful thing for me to say. And yet I'm the bad guy if I were to be honest with everybody. You know, I think you need to have an exercise of truth in your life. And just, <laughs> you would be surprised how liberating it can be to just be accepted as the family asshole. Right, I know. Anyway. That's my title. <laughs> I wear that crown and badge of honor proudly. <laughs> but my family also knows I'm overwhelmingly honest with them, whether they like it or not. I don't yeah. think I've ever told them I'm glad that I don't have to spend any more time with you than I do. But if I said that, I that's really... why Festivus should actually be a holiday that people celebrate. Festivus? Festivus. Didn't you ever watch Seinfeld? Did you not? You never, you, oh. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. I've watched God. Seinfeld. Okay. But, but do, you don't remember what Festivus? Mm -mm. So, so uh, what's his name? The, the fat, stumpy dude. I can't remember his character's name. Uh, George, 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 yeah. George Costanza. His parents celebrated Festivus. Okay. And Festivus, during Festivus, like at Thanksgiving, when people sit around and, and talk about all the things that they're thankful for, at the Festivus dinner, there's a, per, there's a period called the airing of the grievances. Oh, when, you, when you actually go around the table and you tell your family members basically everything that you hate about them. <laughs> God. Okay. And then, and then there's the traditional wrestling match for Festivus. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't put up a Christmas tree. You have a pole. Just a, just a pole that you stick in the corner of the room. It's the Festivus pole. Oh. Yeah. It's just a big dancing? old gigantic. It's just a lead pipe. Oh. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I was like, you put up a pole. I'm waiting for the rest of the evening's activities. <laughs> no. But you wrestle and it's the airing of the grievances. It's a fantastic idea. It's a great holiday. I think it should be celebrated more because then, then everybody could tell their families to piss off. Well, you know what? Um, I know in, in a lot of families, mine's no exclusion from that. There's a lot of things that we're like, you know what? I wish so-and-so would just do this or stop doing that. And, but that's never said to the individual family member. They never get together and go, you know what? You piss me off because you never call me on my birthday and you do it on purpose or whatever it is. I don't, I don't care. There isn't that. Instead, we tell a different family member. And, right. and we always say the 
just don't say anything. This stays between us. And then eventually right. it gets around where it's supposed to anyway, because families are probably the worst group of telling or keeping secrets I've ever known in my life. Families oh, right, are terrible right, right. about it. I mean, yeah, you just, absolutely. if I want a family member to know something just that I, somebody else. I, I just tell somebody else, it'll right. get there. Yeah, it'll get there. Eventually. Usually within a matter of 24 hours. And what's amazing is when you played telephone in school, the, the, the story got all screwed up with it by the time it hit the third person. In families, that sucker is verbatim. It's verbatim. You might as well hit record. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you heard it from that person who heard it from that. And then you go, you've, that's like six deep and it's word for word. And like, it's word for word. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the expletives along the way, but that <laughs> sounds like something I would have said. So I, I was guess, feeling it at the time. I felt so. it. I guess I just didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that see that's the that's the thing that i hate about about holidays like thanksgiving even though i love thanksgiving it's my favorite holiday uh it's but it's it's another reason why i very i very much dislike christmas because those two holidays thanksgiving and christmas are the ones that are filled with obligation and i'm not a i'm not one who enjoys obligation I don't like getting together because I'm obligated because it's the holiday. I want to get together with people that I want to get together because I want to be with those people, sure. right? I don't want to get together with a bunch of people because I'm obligated to do so because there's a title like, well, we're family. Yep. Piss off. I just so I don't like that. You're okay with if um, mom says, hey, we want you to come down for the weekend and have dinner and spend the night and, and hang out. You'd be okay with that. But if you say, hey, it's Christmas, we want you to come down for Christmas. You're like, no, I don't want to. Well, I know my mom would be high because I haven't talked to my mother in years. Okay, so, well. yeah, but <laughs> assuming I did, assuming I did, if mom said, if assuming that we did, and my mom said, you know, hey, we want you to come and spend the weekend with us. That's something I got to prepare for. Like, because I'm an introvert. I have to, uh -huh. I have to prepare for that eventuality. And even then, like an hour before departure, there's still like a 50-50 chance I'm not going to go. For for anybody out there listening, I can vouch for this. This has actually <laughs> happened with get-togethers that Lucy and I have attempted before. And I kid you not, I cannot tell you how many times an hour prior to, hey, something's come up. We can't yeah, do it. I can't do it. This is a real thing. So okay, It's a very real thing. And it's an introvert thing. Um, and so, but yes, if once, but once it's like, it's Thanksgiving, it's like, well, I, you know, I've got four days off where I don't have to work for four days. I would really just prefer to go get a steak and play video games for four days. That's really what I want to do anyway. Like, I don't, I, not, I don't want to go and spend it with you. Not you, the, not you, the proverbial you, you know? No, I, I get it. And there just is because the, I'm the, supposed the to too, because right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm not excluded. It's okay. I get yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Christmas day, you know, you got to get up and you got to spend it with family and it's like, I'd rather sleep in and then play video games. Okay. I I agreed with you and I lost you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there that are just like me. You realize that. Oh, absolutely. My wife all of the, those. all of the introverts, all of the introverts who will not hear the show because they don't listen to us, but all of the introverts out there are silently nodding and they don't know why. Oh, no, no, no. They know why. Everybody <laughs> knows why. I mean, it's not a, th my wife is an introvert and, and bless her heart. She's gotten so much better than she used to be, but 
in her defense, I mean, she lives with me, who is a blaring extrovert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overwhelming. Um, and you can't be with me for 23 years and not have some of that eventually chip away at you. Yeah. But I, I wish Thanksgiving was more like a Halloween where family just knocks on the door, says, happy Thanksgiving. We you hug turkey and we, stuffing and mashed and potatoes they, into and their they bucket. Go. And then and they, they leave. Go. Yeah. Here's a plate, right? Here's a plate. Nice seeing you. Go away now. <laughs> it's that. Oh, that would be beautiful. Trick or treat. Here's your turkey dinner. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. Get off my porch. And you can only knock on the door when the light's on. So as soon as the <laughs> light goes off. <laughs> Lucy's out of turkey. He turned his lights off. <laughs> I'm not going to answer the door now. I'm just going to lock it. I'm going to sit in the other living room and watch TV. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should celebrate Thanksgiving like, like Halloween. I would yeah. love it. That I, I would be good with that because I, I can give I can give everybody a hug. I can say hi and we can talk for 30 seconds and you can go on your way and I'm happy. See, and the extrovert version of that is this year I had Thanksgiving here at my house. I made, or my wife made the turkey and we did all the, the dressings and, and mom and dad came up and they were here. And the, the plan was, are you guys going to stay? Well, we don't know. We're going to see uh, how we feel after dinner. Okay. Oh God. Oh, my I, God. I know. I know. <laughs> my wife, she's, she's like, are they, are, are they going to stay? I don't know. We're going to see how they feel. No, 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 no. When? Yeah. I, I, I need a plan like yesterday. She's totally good with it now. God, years ago, she wouldn't, she'd have been wigged out about it, but they ended up staying the night because we ate Turkey. So it's like, uh, it pa we pass out and we don't want to do anything. So, but that wasn't good enough. Did they, here's so a question. Okay, then, on Saturday, we got the whole family together. Oh. And we had a huge seafood fry or seafood um, broil. So we had my brother and his wife and two kids, my sister, my kid sister, my other sister and her boyfriend were there. And they showed up the next day with their three kids. There's me, my wife, and our two kids, and my stepdad. And, you know, there's all of us out there. So we had to do Thanksgiving twice because once is not adequate. That sounds absolutely horrid. <laughs> it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I would be freaking out if, if anybody showed up and it was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to stay or not. Wait. Yep. What? We were, we were there Saturday morning, stayed all day Saturday, left Sunday. And I can guarantee you, I could have stayed a week and it still would not have been long enough for everybody. You know, it's like, well, I'll stay another day, stay another day. I mean, that's, that's just Ugh. how it is. So, and it's great. Oh I love it. I know you do. I know. I know you hate it. I can see your skin oh. crawling from here. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it sounds absolutely repulsive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your poor wife. She is a saint. She is a saint. She puts up <sighs> with me every day. Most of the time she puts up with me. Every that's uh, yeah, that's rough. We need to do Thanksgiving trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treat style Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. All right. Well, I think we talked about this long enough. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. If you're still listening, if you're still listening, <laughs> 
as always, you can catch all of our stuff over at fusionunderground.net. That's our website. You can also catch links to our stuff. We do have a Facebook group. We post our stuff out there on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash AZ Fusion Underground. Uh, we were on Twitter. We got booted off uh, or at least just put in Twitter jail. So we're still in Twitter jail, uh, but we are now, we're now on Parler. Uh, but anyway, you can catch all of that stuff off of our, all of our audio feeds, everything, all the information you need is off of our website, fusionunderground.net. <sighs> Any last words? Um, no, I think that pretty much filled my void. All right. Well then, <laughs> for Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez, and you've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace, we're late. Have a good night. <laughs>